If I had to think of my life in a nutshell and think of the greatest story of my life, and yes, it would be when I accepted Christ my Savior, but if I had to think of another piece of my life, yes, getting married to my wife was a good thing, but I just don't know what I could say. See, I, yeah, you get all for that, right? But why you suck your teeth? Anyway, um, but if I had to think of something else in my life, what I would say was probably one of the best things in my life was when I was about 18 years old. Um, I was chosen to play for the junior national team in baseball for the Bahamas. Went to Fort Myers to represent the Bahamas. Um, I used to be a pitcher. And at that time, at that time, we went away. Um, and on this team, I was considered probably, you know, I wasn't, they didn't put me as the, the best pitcher at that time. But what happened was when I went away, they put me in a game for, for five innings one day. And when I went to the game, the, the guy who had just pitched before me, he had basically just got a home run hit so far off of him that we still haven't seen the ball land yet. So here it is, I'm going into this game against one of the top teams in the whole tournament that we're playing against. And so I went into this, this tournament, I went into the game, um, you know, pitched five innings, and gave up only one run the whole time, right? So that's a good thing. So at this time in my life, I thought that the Lord had this plan for me to maybe go away and play professional baseball in college or whatever. Well, the next day the coach says, all right, you know, this is your chance. You're going to go in this game again. Now, if you know anything about throwing a baseball or anything, your arm gets sore and your arm, it, gets, it hurts, right? So I made sure the night before that I rubbed down in every piece of Tiger Bomb or Bengay, took every piece of aspirin I could have just so, you know what, when the coach called me in to come in again, I ready to go. So the coach called me in the next day, bam, again, two innings, gave up no runs. So everything is looking good. This is like, man, this is great. This is what you want. This is, you know, this is how you want if you're going to get scouted. You know, everyone, this is, this is great. But the next day comes the third day. And like, again, if you know anything about pitching baseball, your arm gets tired and sore. Well, again, at that point, I'm just thinking, you know what? This is my opportunity. I want to do what I got to do. So the coach says, all right, we need to go warm up. But when I went to warm up, my arm was just dead. Tired. It was sore. And I know you know what? The best thing is not to go in the game. Use an accent. Okay. You can tell someone who don't know nothing about baseball or sports. All right. It doesn't work, right? But one thing that was so great about that was after that tournament was over, you know, I had a big write-up in the newspaper about how great it was. And then basically... You know, I was named a junior athlete of the, of the month and everything, and it was always a great time, right? Now, that's a good story. Where does the story change? Well, this would be one of the worst stories in my life, but I would say God had a plan in it. Um, at a youth event, after all this, and after I would say I was at the best of my game, I was pitching the best, and everything was going good, and might have been opportunities... I went to a youth event to someone's house to play basketball. 
And at that time, I thought I was Michael Jordan. And so I tried to split two defenders, and I ended up breaking my left arm, which is my pitching arm. So basically, that was it for that. My baseball career never was the same. Um, I still to the day can't straighten my arm all the way. So, you know, pitching baseball was finished. I tell you that because tonight we want to look at God's Word and we want to look at how God is, no matter how we look at and how we look at things, God's in control of everything. And when we consider, we're going to start a series talking about Sincerely God. And if anyone knows anything about, you know, years ago, there was a time when you would actually write a love letter to people. You know, when you would actually not just text them, you would actually write the letter, and some of you may have done this in primary school, where you have to say, would you like, do you like me? Will you circle yes or no? And you know what some of y'all would do? Y'all wouldn't circle none, and y'all would say, maybe. You know, like, you know, like, you know, like, okay, yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I don't like you. I'm, listen, I'm not going to say I like you, and I ain't going to circle no and say I don't like you, but maybe I like you. Basically, if you say maybe, you know what that means, all right? I like you, right? But there was a time when you would write letters, all right? You would write these nice, elegant letters, um... There are people who would save every love letter that their girlfriend or boyfriend writ for them, written for them. There were actually a time in, I would say even in my wife and I's life, where we had special email accounts that only I would send letters to that account and she would send letters to that account. And we had them saved, but now I don't know what is happening, it's gone, you know. So these are, these are the love letters. Well... When we think of God's Word, the Bible can be considered a love letter to us. When we look at God's Word, we can say it shows us how much Christ loved us. From beginning to end, we can see God's plan. And as we just finish Easter, we finish Good Friday, we finish thinking about the love of Christ, what Christ did for us on the cross, He died for us so that we can have a relationship with Him. Now we have this opportunity to live our lives for Christ. Now tonight, we want to look at a particular passage of Scripture that's going to, basically, as us as Christians, we need to look at it and be thankful for what God has done for us. Now, what we need to understand as we look at God's Word too is this, is that some of you in this room haven't come to a relationship with Christ yet. And our prayer is that you do. But when we think of this letter that Paul had written to the church of Ephesus in the first chapter, we're going to see how he writes directly to those who know Christ as their personal Savior. And how God himself orchestrated everything from the beginning. So let's look at this, and, I'm, and then I'm going to hand out a paper, and I want us to look at something. And it said in verse 4, Ephesians chapter 1, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Verse 5, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace 
with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Now, we start off by talking about how as we consider God had, in the beginning of time, he knew everything was going to happen. God's in control. And it said he talks about how he chose us. Us who know Christ as we have this relationship with him. And he knew what I was going to become before I was even born. He knew how wicked I was going to be, but yet he still wanted a relationship with me. For us who call ourselves believers, that's how much God loves us. That's why when we consider this love, it should make us think. He says that as a Christian, we have been chosen. He also says that we have been adopted. What is adopted? When you think of adoption, what does that mean? Hmm? Taken. All right, what do you think of an adoption? Taken from one thing to another, okay. So if we look at what you just said, taken from one all right, so basically, if we had to take it in this, this play, we were once not God's children. So we were ch children of the world, the devil. But God said, I'm going to adopt you into my family. Right? That's what adoption is. He has taken us. It's changed. It's just like when you consider a child who has been adopted. Right? That child... If, they, if the parents do the adoption in the right way, whatever, that child will take on the last name of that family, right? So it would be, like in our case, my daughter Mercy is adopted. She is Mercy Rogers. That's her, that's her name. She is my child. She's a Rogers. So we have now become children of God. All right? We are now his children. So we have this we have all of this, and we have to be thankful for what God has done for us. So, sometimes when we consider this, you know, we need to, again, as I said, it's very confusing. But, for us who know Christ, we look at it as how great and awesome this privilege is. When we consider what Christ has done for us, when we consider that Christ knew what Nicholas Rogers was going to be, wicked, no good, I mean, I did my own thing. But yet, he said, I want a relationship with you. I want to adopt you into my family. That's what you call love. That's what you call genuine love. And what I want to do is I want to I hand out, I want everyone to have a paper. And I want us to look at this because I want us to understand something. Because as Christians, those who know Christ in this room, that is you. You have been adopted in the family. You are a part of this family. So what this paper is, is it's going to break it down into a couple things for you. All right? You have a front and you have a back. All right? If you know Christ as your personal Savior, I want us to, and I don't have any pens, but I want you to think of this paper, and I want you to look. This is taken from the message translation. All right? It's a paraphrase of the Bible, 
but I think it breaks it down so good for us because what we want to consider tonight is this, that if you know Christ as your personal Savior, you can put your name in the blank. All right? You can put your name in this blank. So we want to read it, and I'm going to put my name in that blank because I know Christ is my personal Savior. Now, if you don't know Christ your personal Savior, we pray that you will know Christ your personal Savior. Now, you could say that this is me. This is what I am, all right? So, and then I'm going to really look at the back, all right? All right. So, like I said, it's on here, but you have a piece of paper, all right? So this is what I say. Long before he laid down the earth's foundations, he had Nicholas in mind. Had settled on Nicholas as the focus of his love. Like I said, you put your name there. To be made whole and holy for his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt Nicholas into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted Nicholas to enter into celebration with lavish gift given by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. Nicholas is a free person. Free of penalty and punishment, chalked up by all of Nicholas' misdeeds. So as you're following along, like I said, if you know Christ, you put your name in that slot. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything provided, everything Nicholas could possibly need. Letting Nicholas in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before Nicholas in Christ. A long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in heaven. Everything in the deepest heaven, everything on the planet Earth, it's in Christ that Nicholas finds out who Nicholas is and what Nicholas is living for. Long before Nicholas first heard of Christ and got Nicholas' hopes up, he had his eye on Nicholas, had designs on Nicholas for glorious living, part of overall purpose. He is working out everything and everyone. When you consider that, and as you know Christ as your personal Savior, all right, I want you to look at the back of the paper. And, and as a Christian, you can answer what God has done for you. First of all, He chose you. How does that make you feel to know that you are chosen from God? Important, all right? Special. Loved. All right. Huh? Unique. What do you want to say to God because of that? What would be your response to God? Huh? Thank you. Thank you. All right. You said. You said Spanish. Okay. You're talking English here. I don't. You know. All right. Thank you. Right. It makes you want to say thank you. How does it make you want to live? It should make you want to live what? Right. Should make you want to do what you can, right? God also did this for you. He made you whole and holy. All right? Now, to be made whole means you are what? No, but to be made whole, you had to be what before you were made whole? Empty, right? Not whole. You were missing something. Right? Just like... You know, we can look at a bottle and someone will look at it one way and say, that's half full. 
But some of us would say, that's half empty. But when we think of Christ, He made us full. We are whole. We are full. So, He made you whole and holy. What does it mean to be holy? To be separated. To be sanctified. One people might say blameless. Alright? To be set apart. You ought to be different. Right? You ought to be different. Alright? That's what it is. Meaning to be different. How does that make you feel? Does it make you feel any way to know that now you made whole? It should make you feel that you appreciate it. It make you feel that you are again to do anything to do what you can. What else has God done for you? He's adopted you as a believer. Again, how does it make you feel to know that you adopted? Important. Now, to be adopted, that means you had to be what? An orphan, right? Means that you were, you were, you were with someone else, so now you are adopted, you are changed. All right? Now, what do you say to God? You should be thankful. Thank you, God, for what you have done. What did God do for you? He died for you. All right? He sacrificed on the cross for your sin. Christ did not sin. So he didn't have to go on the cross and die for himself. He died for you. He died for me. That's what he did. He redeemed and he forgave you. He made plans for you. And he gave you a purpose. How does that make you feel to know that God has a purpose for your life? Purposeful. Okay, that's a... Purpose driven, right? Okay, anyone else? What would, what would you say? How does that make you feel to know... How many of you sometimes go about life and feel that you want to know your purpose in life? All right? You are at a point in life to know, hey, I want to know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I want to know what I'm going to be when I grow up. I want to know if I'm going to get married or not. I want to know how many children I'm going to have. I want to know all these things. God has a purpose for your life. As a believer, He wants you to live to bring honor and glory to His name. That's your purpose. Your purpose is to bring honor and glory to His name. So I ask you tonight, I ask you this question, as we consider this passage, for us who know Christ as our personal Savior, what should be our response to this? What should be our response to know that God chose you, He made you whole and holy, adopted you, died for you, redeemed and forgave you, made plans for you, gave you a purpose? What does that, what does that make you feel? How should it make us feel? How should we respond to that. Huh? How should we respond to that? If we know that God has done these as a believer, He's done this for us, He chose you, He made you whole and holy, adopted you, died for you, redeemed and forgave you, made plans for you, gave you purpose, what should be our response to Him? Thankful. All right. How are we thankful? How do we show that? How do we live that? Pray, compa be compassionate. All right. Be kind. You know what I think? That, you know what I think the, the best response he would want from us? is to be thankful, but he would want us to live for him. He would want us to recognize what he has done. He would want us to be 
so grateful to him to know that as we consider this, right? When we consider this and we consider that this happened, you know, before any of us could even imagine that God knew that we were going to be right here, right now. He knew you were going to be born in Nassau, Bahamas, or wherever you're born. He knew you weren't going to be born in another place in around the world where the gospel cannot be heard. So he had a purpose for each one of you to be here right now. And for some of you tonight, you can't really understand this. You can't accept this because you've never given your life to Christ. You never accepted the gift of salvation. You don't know what that feeling is to say, wow, I was an orphan, I was adopted into the family, now I have hope. You don't know what that's like. But for someone like me who I say, you know what, I have a relationship with Christ, I am grateful, and now you know what I want to do? I want to live for him, I want to tell us about it, because guess what? I could be somewhere else. I could be living my life in a whole different way. But Christ had a purpose for my life. Christ had a purpose for my life when I was on my high, when I was thinking that I was going to play professional baseball to the lowest point of my life when I broke my arm and I thought that that was it. You see, that's why it's important for some of you to think because so many times, you know, we do, we put our hope in ourselves. Some of you right now think, you know what, I'm a great basketball player. I'm going to get a Division I scholarship. I'm going to do this, you know, um, you know, even though I let a girl just burn my eye out tonight. Ooh, all right, you know. I, I think that, you know, I think that, man, this is me, you know. I'm straight. I'm going to play ball for the rest of my life. But guess what? What happens if one week you come on this court, you blow your knee out, you break your ankle, that's it. And you put all your hope in that ball instead of putting your hope in Christ. Think about the same thing for you girls. Whatever it may be that you love, you put all your hope into that guy. And you think that, you know what, this guy is the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, I, you know he treats me so good. He does all these things. But guess what? Listen. What happens when that relationship is over? You've lost your heart broken. You lost hope. You feel empty. That's why, you see, we got to be careful, all right? We got to be careful to know that we put our hope and trust in Christ. Because no matter what happens in my life, no matter how my life is shooken up, because I know that God has a plan, that God is sovereign, He's in control of all things, I can put my hope and say, you know what? God has a purpose for this. It's hard to go through things in life. It's hard to think of trials and struggles. But when we consider and we know that God had a purpose, it helps. It helps to know that because we know it's all part of His plan. And does it, am I saying tonight that God's plans are always easy? Definitely not. 
they're hard. But when we're walking in the purpose for what he has for us, it makes it easier. It makes it easier. You know, until in my life, when I was your age, all right, I never comprehended, and still today I can't comprehend it, but I understand a little bit better. I couldn't comprehend the sovereignty of God, that God is in control of all things. I just, I just couldn't understand it. But as I got older and I study and I understand the sovereignty of God more that He's in control, it helps me to go to, without, through life better. It helps me to understand, you know what? God has a purpose for this. Does it mean that everything in life is easy? No. No, right? Because I don't understand, some, I don't understand why sometimes God would send a hurricane to hit us. But you know what? I know that God's in control and that helps me. That helps me to know, you know what? He has a purpose. It's part of his plan. So I would challenge you tonight. If you don't know Christ, you Lord, person, Savior, that you would accept Christ as your personal Savior. And when we consider this, I would really challenge you, right? For those, listen, for those who know Christ, I would challenge you to take this paper home, write your name in those blanks and put this somewhere so you can remember. Because that's when you're feeling down, you can remember this is what Christ has done for me. He has accepted me in his family. And I can be a child of his. So again, I challenge you tonight, if you don't know Christ, that you would come to know him as your Lord, personal Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, we pray that you continue to be honored in everything that we do. Father, I thank you to know that, that I have brothers and sisters in Christ in this room, that they have been adopted by you, that they are your children. Father, I pray for those who don't know you, that they would come to know you, that they would recognize that they need you in their lives. Father, I pray that you just continue to be honored in everything that we do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.